Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As the curtain came down on the Rio Olympics, excitement was already mounting for the next games. Tokyo 2020. Oh, now that's an entrance. (laughs) Prime Minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe. Super Mario. At the closing ceremony, Prime Minister Shinzo Abe marked Japan's takeover of the Games by bursting onto the stage. A film showed him getting to Rio with little help from another Japanese icon, Computer game hero, Super Mario. Super Mario! (laughs) We all have a superhero in us, don't we? It was a pity Super Mario wasn't on hand to rescue the Tokyo Olympics four years later. The 2020 Summer Olympics, now the latest major sports cancellation caused by the global pandemic. Some 11,000 athletes from more than 200 countries were expected to compete in the Summer Games. As athletes and competitors all over the world prepare to descend on Tokyo, locals don't seem to want them to come. In the city, posters still line the streets, advertising last year's cancelled Olympics, and there's little sign that the new games are imminent. With just weeks to go, will the Tokyo Olympics happen? One of Japan's biggest national newspapers, the Asahi Shimbun, they ran an editorial saying the game should be cancelled, and they are actually an Olympic sponsor. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the Tokyo Olympics. Are the games in jeopardy? There's something very, very special about it. There are so many winners for those 16 days. It's fantastic. Matt Lawton is a man who loves the Olympics. Just as well, really, as Matt is the... Chief sports correspondent at The Times. Sports journalists often have arguments over over a glass of wine about which is the bigger event, the World Cup or the Olympics. I think the Olympics is bigger. The World Cup is 32 countries. The Olympics is 206 countries. And it is the pinnacle for so many sports. I've covered the last two. Rio and London were very different. But they they were magical in their own way. Lockdown deprived sports fans and sports writers 
of live matches and races and sports events. So Matt was glued to the action over the last few weeks as some of the qualifying races for the Tokyo Olympics were finally being held. But it soon became apparent that lockdown had had a dramatic impact on the athletes too. It was a European Cup race, 10,000 metres at Birmingham University, but it was also the British Olympic trials. And he was a shadow of the of the athlete we've known. The Mo Farah is his trek career arguably over because it doesn't look as though he's going to achieve that Olympic qualifying time that would guarantee himself a spot on the plane. He's 38 years old now. He hadn't been beaten over 10,000 metres for a decade since the World Championships in 2011. Mo Farah, Mark Scott, they've all been swallowed up and Mark Scott it is who's rallied. It looks as though Mark Scott's going to be able to seal his place on the plane to Tokyo. And yet he came eighth and never mind being beaten by other athletes around the world. He got beaten by another Briton who ordinarily would be considered vastly inferior to him. He was over a minute slower than his own personal best for the distance. But more crucially for Farah, he was over 20 seconds outside the qualifying time for Tokyo. So Mo Farah, British Olympic hero, won't be going to the next Olympics. Is this the end of his career? It's dangerous to write a guy of his calibre off, but he just looks like the ageing process has finally taken its toll and he just doesn't look like the same athlete. And do you think that is because of a year of lockdown? If the Olympics had been happening this time last summer, would he still have been one of the big players? I think he would have had a better chance for obvious reasons. He's starting to nudge 40 years old. I think for him, COVID-19 has been very poorly timed you know it would have been some challenge at 37 to to defend that olympic title his greatest asset has been his finishing ability his speed and the one thing you do lose with age is speed and he's going to be a victim i think of covid19 in a sporting sense what do you think the olympics will will look like this year i mean how different do you think they'll be i was lucky enough to be there on super saturday in london and it certainly isn't going to be like that. On the night of Super Saturday, I was aware that you know it was all happening across the athletics track, and I, I ran across the Olympic Park. And by the time I got into the stadium, Farah's race had already started, but it was absolutely electric. Looking for room on the inside, and Farah is kicking hard. The crowd are lifting him. They're cheering him on. It was incredible. It will not be like that. It will be much like the, the football matches we've been watching for the last year. And that will be a great shame, the fact that you won't have those wonderful moments where somebody wins an Olympic gold medal and, and they run to their parents in the crowd. You won't have those moments. You won't have Adam Peaty's girlfriend jumping into his arms after he wins the breaststroke 100 metres, you know, breaks the world record as he did in Rio five years ago. It's a shame. It will be quite a sterile atmosphere. And will that be difficult for the athletes? The experience for the athletes will be very different. The whole Olympic Village thing will be very different. They will be asked to stay in their rooms much more. You have this dining room where literally 10,000 athletes from all around the world, different sports, 206 countries will all congregate. And this fantastic atmosphere that develops, this incredible sort of carnival of sport 
That won't happen. People are going to be staggered in when they can have their meals. They will have to sit two metres apart. They won't be able to hang around once their food is finished. The moment their, their plates are empty, they've got to leave. They've got to go back to their rooms. And as a consequence of that, the British Olympic Association are actually going to have these mental health champions, this team of a dozen mental health experts who will simply be patrolling the British team and checking on, on all the athletes and staff to make sure they're okay because it's going to be... A real challenge mentally you know they're going to be confined to quarters yeah. and then expected to jump on a bus go to the venue and produce the best performances they've ever produced in their lives and I suppose there's so much pressure and you know the greatest highs but also the greatest lows and if you're having to do all of that in isolation it must be really hard yeah I think it will be incredibly hard you know the Olympics is for all those sports it is the pinnacle it's now or never for many of them. With so much pressure on the athletes waiting to compete in just over five weeks' time, how is Tokyo preparing to welcome them? Tokyo is in a rather strange state at the moment. That's Richard Lloyd Parry, Asia editor of The Times, who is, rather usefully, based in Tokyo. In the first year of, of the pandemic, I often felt that of all the world's mega cities, Tokyo was the best one to be in because the pandemic was really not too bad. There were infections, but they were low, very low compared to Western Europe or North America. And so, you know, we felt quite pleased with ourselves being here. But now that that's all changed because Tokyo is very far behind on, on vaccinations they started very late and still haven't caught up. So while the rest of much of the rest of the Western world is unsteadily but fairly inexorably emerging from the pandemic to a kind of normality, things are not normal here. Tokyo is under a state of emergency. Uh, businesses that sell alcohol are closed. A lot of shops are restricted and people are encouraged to stay inside. Is the state of emergency, is it sort of lockdown plus, basically? No, it's lockdown minus. Nothing is mandatory. It's all in the form of strong recommendations by the government, which nonetheless people take seriously. Uh, state of emergency sounds rather, you know, rather frightening and, and serious, but it doesn't mean that you have to stay at home. We haven't had any mandatory lockdowns in Japan, but it's not normal life. And as well as being in this sort of pre-vaccination phase, we're also in this pre-Olympic phase. Because the Olympics, according to everyone in official position, are to begin at the end of July. Public opinion is very much against them, I think, still. There's a lot of anxiety and there are plenty of people afraid that the result of the Olympics will be to introduce the infections from abroad, send them back and to create a super spreader event. Which is terrifying, especially if most of your population isn't vaccinated yet. What is the COVID situation like at the moment in terms of the infection rate? Is it spreading? Do you have all the, all the variants or is that something people are really afraid the Olympics will bring? About a month or two ago, Japan's fourth wave crashed down. And at the worst, hospitals in the city of Osaka, for example, which is the second city of Japan, a, a place of you know, six, seven million people, were overwhelmed. People were dying at home because 
Not only were there not hospital beds for them, but there weren't enough doctors to go and visit and tend to them. Now, the effect of the state of emergency has been to flatten that. So infections have in the last few weeks been coming down, although rather slowly uh, in Tokyo. So we're now down, I think, to around a seven day average of about four or five hundred new infections a day, which doesn't sound too bad, but by Tokyo standards is still not great. Past experience shows very clearly that as soon as the state of emergency is lifted and people start moving around again, the rate starts going up. And then on top of that, having an Olympics where lots of people will be coming in, lots of people will be moving around within the country, it's almost inevitable that infections will go up. So you can understand why the public would be worried about this. I mean, the the backdrop in terms of covid and infection rates in Japan is clearly very different now than it was last year. Take me back 12 months ago to the moment we were told the Olympics were being postponed. It was the end of March last year, and it was just before the the torch relay was supposed to begin. It wasn't altogether surprising, but what was very striking was that right up until the moment they announced that they were postponing the Olympic Games by one year, they had been insisting that that they would do no such thing and that everything was fine. And I think that's something that is worth remembering this year because the Olympic organisers, the government, the IOC, the Tokyo Olympic Committee, almost everyone in their public utterances sounds very confident and doesn't admit an iota of doubt that this thing is going to go ahead. This whole undertaking is, apart from being about money and about sport is also about confidence. And they can't afford to allow anyone to think that this thing might fail at the last minute. That's so interesting. And you're right, it's all about confidence. But in a way, is the fact that they managed to persuade the world that they were going ahead with things until the very last minute last time, does that knock everyone's confidence this time? I mean, is, is there just a sense of nobody knows what to believe? I think everyone looking at it recognises that the Olympic authorities face a terrible dilemma because clearly to hold the world's biggest sporting event in the world's most populous city during the world's worst ever modern pandemic is is quite something. There are obviously you know, reasons why you might not want to do that. On the other hand, cancelling would be such a nightmare financially, politically, in terms of you know loss of face and loss of prestige. So they're under a lot of pressure. My guess is that the Japanese government hasn't decided yet whether the Olympics are going ahead or not. They're acting as if they are because they have to behave with confidence. Mm. But there is still the option if they decide to make a political decision to call the whole thing off. Devastating and embarrassing and difficult though that would be. With the fate of the Olympics hanging in the balance, We'll have more from Tokyo in just a moment. And has the pandemic given some countries an advantage if the Olympics do go ahead? Hello, I'm Jane Mulkerins, Associate Editor of The Times magazine. By listening in, you make it possible for me to bring you exclusive stories that you won't get anywhere else. Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. 
visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Do you remember what it's like being in your 20s? I sometimes look back at that period of my life and laugh just as much as I cringe. If you do the same, then you've got to watch Queenie, the new original series on Hulu. Who is Queenie? Queenie is a 20-something year old living in London. She's facing all the firsts. First major heartbreak, first shitty apartment and soul-sucking job, first therapy session to work through those mommy issues. Can she turn her quarter-life crisis into a revolution? Maybe. Will she make some questionable decisions along the way? Definitely. All episodes of Queenie premiere June 7th, streaming on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. All eyes are on Tokyo as the Olympics edge closer. Whilst many people in Japan want the Games to be postponed or cancelled because of the pandemic, there are others who are still counting the cost of calling off the Games last year. I mean, the whole pandemic in Japan, as everywhere else, of course, has has hit the economy very hard. Uh, And yes, the task of postponing the Olympic Games by one year of rebooking all those venues, those stadia, those hotel rooms, of getting the sponsors to sign up for another year. Of course, all of that was very expensive. I think that cost billions of dollars altogether. I can't remember exactly how many, and perhaps nobody knows. But the effect of cancelling the Olympics would, of course, bring unquantifiable financial setbacks to, to many people. And I think this is one of the reasons why it's so difficult to face. It's tens of millions of dollars. A lot of that has been spent already. A lot of that would not be recouped. All the parties have insurance policies, but I think almost certainly they don't cover everything. And those insurance claims and the auditing of those claims and the the disputing of them in the courts, I think we can be confident would would go on for, for years and possibly for decades. I mean, this is sort of an unprecedented event. It's not the sort of thing you normally write into an insurance policy. The only times that... Olympic Games have been cancelled in the past, have been during the two world wars. One of those, incidentally, was the Tokyo Olympics that was supposed to take place in 1940. Have they built venues to host this Olympics? I mean, is there an idea of the scale of the cost to the government already of hosting the Olympics? They have. They built a lot of venues, including a brand new national stadium in the centre of Tokyo, which cost several billion dollars. There was a study last year by the University of Oxford that concluded that these would be the most expensive Olympics ever. One figure that is 
bandied about was formulated by the Japanese government's own auditors, but they reckoned it was going to cost $25 billion, most of that being paid for by the Japanese taxpayer. Wow. I mean, that's hard when you've got a pandemic already sapping your economy. But I mean, an Olympics is always an investment for a country. There's always a huge cost to host them. But you hope to recoup it through the tourism that follows or through people going out and spending more. There's a feel good factor. Is any of that going to be possible if these Olympics go ahead? No, a lot of that is being eliminated because of the pandemic. They haven't decided yet whether they're going to allow domestic spectators, residents of Japan, to go to the events. But they did decide several weeks ago that no foreign visitors will be allowed in. Whenever cities host the Olympics, there are always those who say, this is extravagant, it's wasteful, we don't need to build these huge stadia that aren't going to be used afterwards. And the argument is, well, this has huge promotional value for our city and our country. Mm. People will come to Tokyo from all over the world. They'll have holidays here. They'll travel around. Our attractions will be on TV every day. People will be coming for years to Japan because of the Olympics. And all of that is being cut out now because foreigners are not being allowed in. And for the government, given that this is going to have a huge economic impact and very little economic gain if things go ahead, does it make more economic sense to delay? A lot of people want to delay. Medical experts, doctors, virologists... I was speaking yesterday to a member of the, the Japan Olympic Committee who's very outspoken and criticising the government for its handling of the whole thing and the International yeah. Olympic Committee. Uh, and she said, we, we should just postpone by a few months because by the end of the year, by the autumn, it'll be lo- much nicer weather in Tokyo, it'll be much cooler and many more people will be vaccinated and will be far more on top of the whole thing. That in some ways makes sense. I think When they're asked about that, the organisers say with great certainty that it's just logistically impossible to do it again. To delay again for just a few months would just be a a headache beyond description. You've got over 100,000 people coming in. You've got everything from tens of thousands of hotel rooms booked, accommodation for athletes, the Olympic Village, right up to stadia holding 70,000 plus people all of these are reserved you know for a few months ahead rejigging all that we're told is impossible so what the olympic authorities say is postponement is simply not an option either we hold them now or we don't hold them at all and whose call is it in the end will it be the olympic authorities or will it be the the japanese government there is a contract uh, between the city of Tokyo on one hand and the International Olympic Committee on the other. And you can read it. It's online. Effectively, the Olympic Games are owned by the International Olympic Committee, the IOC. uh, And only the IOC has the authority and the power to cancel. They can do that in case of war, civil disorder, that kind of thing. No doubt a natural disaster like an earthquake would fall into the same category. But they can also cancel them if they decide that the Olympics can't be held safely. Now, I think no one would argue if they were to to claim that now. They're not. Mm. The International Olympic Committee very much wants the Games to go ahead. The IOC want them to go ahead. The Japanese government want them to happen. But the overwhelming majority of the Japanese public don't want to see this Olympics happen. 
So some people say, well, it's up to the IOC, only they can stop the games. In practice, I don't think that's true at all. The Japanese national government could stop the games if the mm. Japanese prime minister, Mr. Suga, was to say publicly, we really can't be doing this now for the obvious reason. There's a yeah. pandemic going on. It would be unthinkable, I think, for the IOC president, Thomas Bach, to say, well, I'm sorry, we're having our Olympics anyway. Apart from anything else, the Japanese government controls immigration and the import of goods through its own borders. So they yeah. could simply say to everyone related to the Olympics, I'm sorry, you just can't come in. Wow. That really would be the nuclear option, I suppose. They, they would only have to threaten that and the IOC would have to accept it. In the end, of course, a national government has veto power if it chooses to use it. There's clearly quite a lively debate going on at the moment about whether the, these Olympics should go ahead as planned. Who are the loudest voices on either side of that debate and who are the public listening to? Most people don't want the Olympics to go ahead as scheduled. Some say they want them postponed. Some say they don't want them at all. But only a minority have said they want them to go ahead. I think businesses, by and large, fear that if the Olympics ferment infection, that will cause you know, longer restrictions, states of emergency, lockdowns, which will hurt the economy for longer than if they hadn't happened. A lot of doctors, nurses, medical organisations have spoken out against the Games. And there's one lady who I spoke to at length yesterday, a woman named Kari Yamaguchi, who's a former Olympic medalist, a member of the executive committee of the Japan Olympic Committee, who has also spoken out against the, the way the whole thing is, is being handled. One of Japan's biggest national newspapers, the Asahi Shimbun, they ran an editorial saying the game should be cancelled, and they are actually an Olympic sponsor. So that oh, was wow. quite something. So the question is, who is arguing the case for holding the Games. The Prime Minister, Mr Suga, and, and other ministers do say, we want to go ahead, we can hold these Games safely. But I must say they're not arguing very passionately. They're not hmm. going out and really selling this idea. And it's almost as if they're reluctant to argue too strongly for this thing in case it doesn't work out. That's my speculation. In the run-up to an Olympics, normally you'd see an awful lot of promotion everywhere. There'd be posters. There's a sense of it all coming together. Is any of that happening? There have been Olympic posters and banners up since last year or even the year before. The build-up to these things is very long. Nothing new is being put up. And of course, rather sadly, the posters and the logos all say Tokyo 2020. Not, they, not 2021. And the reason they haven't they, even replaced those. I, I, oh, I think God. simply because they didn't want to have to reprint all the T-shirts yeah. and the mugs and the cuddly toys and, and the souvenirs. If you're a betting man, would you say this, the Olympics will go ahead? Would you put money on it? I wouldn't put money on it, no. Um, I really wouldn't. I would invest my money on you know something more reliable like tulip futures in Amsterdam or something. <laughs> my gut feeling about it does does change almost from week to week um my guess is that the japanese government doesn't know either and that they're going yeah. to wait at least until the end of this month see what the situation is with the pandemic uh, and then make a final decision in their own minds then so really at this stage anything might happen it looks as if a a rather restricted, joyless, tense 
Olympics is going to go ahead, which will be televised uh, and may or may not have any spectators in the stadium, but certainly no fine spectators. That's the appearance that people are giving. But it wouldn't surprise me if at the last minute they they announced that it was going to be cancelled. And if they did, I don't think we would get much warning of that. Do you think if they do go ahead, do you think that the, the public will warm to the idea? By and large, Japanese people love big international sporting events. The last one we had here was the, the Rugby World Cup in 2019. Terrific fun. You know, locals and, and visitors had a, had a wonderful time. It was a real success. Uh, Japanese people do like these events, but this is not about sport. It's not about the Olympics. It's about really genuine and, and deeply felt concerns about public health. So there may be a bit of an Olympic lift, if Japan wins a few medals, I'm sure a lot of people will cheer up and perhaps begin to worry less. But many people will be worrying deeply nonetheless. There are clearly fears amongst the people of Japan. But the experience of preparing for the Tokyo Olympics in the middle of a pandemic hasn't been any less anxious for the athletes either. It's been hugely disruptive to athletes, certainly in the UK. That's Matt Lawton again, chief sports correspondent at The Times. You know, a lot of the runners haven't been able to do their altitude training because they haven't been able to travel. So they've not been able to gain that advantage. A lot of athletes for quite some time couldn't get access to tracks. And, you know, and swimmers like Adam Peaty for a period of time couldn't get access to a swimming pool. So they've, they've had to overcome those kind of challenges. And the issue with that is, is the fact that it's not been the same for everybody. So, for instance, athletes in the States have been able to keep accessing tracks. They have been able to go to places like Arizona to train at altitude. You know, it hasn't involved, they haven't been under the same restrictions. Wow. So countries like America, who've placed fewer restrictions on athletes' training, would now be at an advantage in the Olympics. I mean, are there any other ways in which the pandemic has helped some athletes over others in the run-up to these games? There are so many issues for obvious reasons. Anti-doping agencies haven't been able to send testers to people's homes, haven't been able to do those out-of-competition tests because of COVID-19. So athletes actually have been operating under a fairly loose system. You know, it's been the Wild West, really. It's been like going back in time when there wasn't really any testing. So the dishonest athletes and coaches, I have no doubt they've been taking advantage of that. Can we be certain that the Olympics will be sort of properly policed in terms of doping? The point about doping is that what doping really enables you to do is train harder. So the benefits of doping all come in the preparation. Generally speaking, the smart dopers, it's all about what they've been doing for the last year. And then they come into the season absolutely flying, benefiting from the fact that the doping has allowed them to train harder, run faster, jump further, jump higher than they ever have before. The fact is the effect of the drugs remains in the system, even if it isn't something that can be detected by the testers. So yes, of course, there will be a lab in Tokyo, there will be widespread drug testing, but it really is only the idiots that get caught. And we can't know what people have been doing during training this year. Certainly last year and through into the start of this year, it's been nigh impossible to do the testing. Just can't do it. You can't go to somebody's home and stand next to them in the bathroom while they have a wee. You just can't do that. 
No, (laughs) no, you really can't. I mean, would it make sense then, as a lot of people in Japan have been saying, to delay these Olympics, to postpone them until the autumn, just to level the playing field, you know, so there's time for more testing, there's time for more training for the people who've missed out. Would that help? Or is that a nightmare for the athletes? I know they spend months and years preparing for this, and it's all very carefully calibrated training to make sure they peak at just the right moment for for the Olympics. How would a delay affect them? That would be really problematic because, you know, what you're saying is absolutely right. The coaches and the athletes will have a programme, a very, very stringent programme, that is absolutely geared towards timing it right. So if you suddenly shifted it back, what you'll almost be asking athletes to do is hit a second peak because everything they're doing is geared towards peaking at the end of July, at the start of August. So that would make it even more of a lottery than I fear it already is going to be. So yeah, that would be incredibly problematic. If the Olympics does get either delayed or cancelled altogether, what will that mean for the athletes? I think it's unlikely now because it's so late in the day, but if it did happen, and there is a lot of pressure still being imposed out there, um, if it did happen, it would be carnage, absolute carnage. I'm not sure they could put it back another year. I think I think logistically that would start to be very difficult. You know, next year you've got a Football World Cup, you've got the World Athletics Championships in Eugene. I don't think it's an option to put it back another year. So it would essentially be cancelled, which means that you would have an eight-year gap between two Olympic Games, which for many athletes would just mean they were simply denied the chance to compete in the Olympic Games in their careers. And that would be that would be an awful outcome for them. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Chief Sports Correspondent at The Times, Matt Lawton, and our Asia editor, Richard Lloyd Parry, in Tokyo. You can read more of Matt and Richard's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers today were Oliver Adamson and Marilyn Rust. The executive producer is Poppy Damon, and sound design was by Falcon Kisseltook and David Crackles. If there's a story you'd like us to look into, any ideas for future episodes, or if you have any thoughts on what you've just heard, then do get in touch. You can email us at storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. And if you enjoyed this episode, if you learned something from it, then please do leave us a review. It'll help others to find the podcast. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 